Are you meddling kids? Let's get into it. The Den of Lies. What are we going to talk about today? Well, it's kind of a review of the previous episodes. I want to, you know, just touch bases and re-emphasize some points. I'm going to do some corrections, clarifications. I always find that after I listen to it again, maybe, oh, I I should have stopped speaking two minutes earlier than I did. I got my point across. Why am I still trying to explain? And it's difficult to do that, to realize in the moment that you're doing it, but also to decide at which point you feel that, hey, I've said all I can say, and that's about the best I can say it. So I want to clarify. I want to correct some things. I want to expand on certain things. Because in these episodes, I've given some great information. And I feel that there's a tremendous amount there that you can take forward and use. Some actionable stuff. Very relevant stuff. But a lot of what I've said in these first few episodes is to, a lot of what I've said is just the introduction to get you to look into these things on your own, right? That's a, that's a favorite of mine. I can tell the right and so, (laughs) excuse me if you can hear rustling like that right there. I just walked with 35 pounds in each hand for three-fourths of a mile. It was brutal. Gosh, what a what a challenge, though. I think I had to stop 10 or 11 times. Graduated from doing 25 pounds for that same distance. So I don't have 230 pounds. I only have 235, so I had to make that jump. Hopefully, I won't be paying for it so much tomorrow. I'm going to try and get my recovery up. Huge portion of training not only diet but resting i'm excited to get that episode so if you hear anything that's what it is i got a towel on me i'm wiping sweat off after that i went and ran a mile really trying to hit that 180 pounds at 10 to 11 percent and it's crazy because i started this year at about 150 pounds i was floating between 150 155 but really 150 and uh, I was a little little chubbier. I've lost some fat, but I'm at 170 right now, which is crazy because the most I've ever weighed was 180. And that was, I believe, sophomore year, maybe junior year. And completely different composition. So I'm surprised that I'm as far as I am. Maybe these first 20 pounds are nice and easy. And then these last 10 are going to be real tough. But enough of that. Let's get to what I actually want to talk about today. Like I said, review some things, corrections, clarifications, expand. I'm going to talk about health, wealth, and communication again. The big three, not just for me. I think it should be for you too because, gosh, anybody can work on these things. There's easy ways to improve. It doesn't take a whole lot of resources, a whole lot of qualifications, And improving these things directly, you know, exponentially in many ways 
benefits you. There's crossovers. If you improve your health, you're going to perform better in every sense. If you improve your wealth, that therein gives you the opportunity to improve your health. You can buy better clothes, which gives you a better attitude, which, you know, materialism, but look good, feel good sort of thing. You can buy better food to feed yourself better. More importantly, you can buy access to a facility that gets you a sauna or gets you cryotherapy or a massage, right? Communication, communication, you know how it is. I feel like that was a great episode. If you didn't listen to it in communication, I talked about some important things. I talked about the necessity, really, of learning Chinese and Russian, the imperative of being clear and avoiding miscommunication, which I'm going to talk a little bit about again today, very briefly, for all of these clarifications. Manners is lubricant, the ideas of win-win outcomes and seek to understand before being understood. Avoid the words I and you, male and female dynamics, body language. (sighs) (sighs) Sigh of relief. Now, the things to talk about today. To review, your mindset is huge, right? You've got to get that down. And by having a goal... You you kind of effortlessly repair and improve your mindset. You refocus it, and by doing so, giving yourself this purpose, even if it's something mundane, you improve the way you see things. Your self-esteem improves as well, because when you write something down and say, I'm going to do this, and then you do it, it feels great. And you begin to see yourself as somebody who is successful, who gets things done. If you didn't hear that episode or any of the other episodes, I really recommend listening to them because the review today does not give you a pass on listening to what was said there. There's so much information. But having a goal is just tremendous. You see yourself as the ship in this analogy. A ship in port is a safe ship and it's, it'll float, you know, it'll do what it needs to do while it's in port. It's going to hold up itself and maintain, but a ship at port is not what a ship is built for. Now, if you go out into the ocean, that's great. You know, you're doing what the ship is meant to do to go out and sail. But if you just go out, you're going to end up in some trouble potentially, You're going to end up lost. You're going to end up confused. You could end up depressed, right? Because you lack that purpose, especially as a male. We are much more tuned in to our own self-worth as it relates to what we've accomplished, Not to say that women don't want to accomplish things. Not to say that women don't have goals or shouldn't have goals. I believe everybody should. And I think it's great when somebody says, hey, I want to do this for myself. But men particularly have this connection to purpose. And for women, typically, it is relationships of all kinds. 
So your mindset is key. Working on it, developing it, having it developed. Some things that can help you along the way is not wishing for things to be easier, but to wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems. Wish that you could come up with more solutions. Okay, so if you can help a thousand people get what you want, a ten thousand, hundred thousand, you'll get what you want. It's an old expression, but helping, serving, linking that to your goals gives you another layer of momentum. And momentum's big. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Yeah, for things to change, you must change. What I decided for myself when I was going through this low so many years ago when I wrote out those 12 questions was that I needed to change everything so everything could change. I felt terrible and I let myself feel that. I made myself feel that. I sat in it and I bathed in that feeling of so that I would fully decide and completely commit to changing. Because if you just kind of feel every now and then like, this sucks, I'm bored or like, what am I doing? But you distract yourself or you brush it off or you do some sort of drug to alleviate the sensation, drink. You're never fully shaking hands with that feeling. You're not getting to know it. But when you do, you can commit. And deciding is a huge thing. Have you ever decided to give something up or to do something? Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this way for a month. Or I'm not going to eat this way for a month. Or I'm going to do this thing. Or I'm going to give up this thing. Whatever it is. And then a day later, two days later, after you've decided, somebody presents you with that very thing. You know, say you never get invited to go out to drink. And then you're like, you know what? I'm just not going to drink this month. And then somebody will hit you up and be like, hey, do you want to drink tomorrow night? It's like, what? What (laughs) What is this? When you decide, when you make a choice, something happens, some kind of switch flips. And your path is redirected. So it's huge. Having goals is huge. Motivation and momentum, though. Hmm. How do you deal with that? Again, my motivation was that I didn't feel so great. And it was because of a breakup. And I decided afterwards, you know what? I want to better myself, but largely... I, I like I, I want it back, not her, but I want it. I want that feeling of a her in my life. I wanted more intimacy, and so my desire was very selfish, right? Typically, you want to serve somebody, you want to connect it to a larger community service or your family, or like I said, the idea of what your family could be, right? Kids in the future that you imagine, your partner in the future that you imagine your grandkids even. But in the beginning, mine was selfish and yours can be. Just recognize that 
that's where you are now, but it's not exactly where you'd like to end up. And the motivation was to have more intimacy. So whenever I would get that feeling, I would sit in it and I would, I would feel it and feel it and feel it and then say, you know what, the, like, I really need to change this. I need to do something. I need to go out. And so sometimes I would go out and I would talk to girls and I would just get rejected. And so I sat with that and it felt worse. And I was like, okay, how about this? If I read this book, if I exercise, if I go work and invest, I'm going to improve my life in some way. I'm going to get more intelligent. I'm going to get more attractive, fitter, healthier. I'm going to improve my financials. And doing any of those things will make me a more eligible candidate to be a partner with. And so by doing these things, I'm more likely to get a girl in my life. If I read these books, I'll become more intelligent. And if I'm more intelligent, I'm more likely to attract more girls. And that was it. Your motivation can be anything. You need a why. Your why will power you. Your why is the fuel. People do or don't do things or quit doing things because the reason why changes or is so strong that it pulls them. Most people are pushing themselves to do things, right? You're pushing yourself to go achieve this thing or go commit to this routine, this habit. But when you develop a why that is strong enough, you end up being pulled by it. Completely different force pushing and pulling. One is active by you. The other is passive. It's just happening to you. You can't even help it. So... The momentum aspect is what carries you on and keeps you going. Once you start to get pulled, or if you're pushing yourself and you gain enough momentum, you can, you can keep the launch going. And so it starts with little things. My first goal that I do every day, typically, is make my bed. Because it's quick. It's easy. And once I've done it, it's like, boom, I'm, like, I'm done. I've done the first goal for the day. What's next? What's next? I got this. And if you do that on a micro scale, it gets more and more macro until you have this whole year where you've just been dominating. And at that point, you're setting larger goals for yourself that a year before you wouldn't have dared to set or imagine that you would set. So understand the power of momentum. Understand the power of your why leading you to motivation. Another thing that's great is exposing yourself. Expose yourself to some really high quality content or really high quality people. There are videos, if you just type in motivation, exercise motivation, you know, success motivation, business, whatever, motivation, some stuff is going to come up. I particularly like Mulligan Brothers on YouTube. If you search them, you'll find them. And just watch two or three of those a day, every day. Even if you don't feel it's having an effect, it does. It's like inception. It's planting the seed in your mind. It may not happen that day, that week, that month, but suddenly you've done your first goal. You've written out your first goal. That's hard enough for some people. Look, discipline equals freedom. 
If you can commit yourself to something, you create a different life. If you stay disciplined enough to achieve anything, you give yourself freedom later on. If I am disciplined to work every day a certain amount of hours and invest a certain percentage of my income, at a certain point, that gives me complete financial freedom. If you don't have a plan, you become part of somebody else's. That's really all there is to it. Your goal, your purpose, your mindset, it allows you to stand for something. And if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. All right, cliches. Over and done with. Now, let's get on to the corrections and clarifications. This could be a shorter episode. I have some things I'm excited to talk about, but I felt like I should clear this up first. I'll start with health, I'll move on to wealth, and then I'll finish with communication. And I'm sure (laughs) after I do this, I'm going to listen back and I'm going to feel like, ah, there's, there's something else I forgot, something I should have said. But here it is. For health, I mentioned that you should train your neck, grip, and calves. But I didn't tell you why. So I want to. Your neck is crucial. Your neck holds your head in place. It's that midpoint between the body and the brain. It produces stability. You don't know when your neck health and next strength is going to be called upon. Consider somebody who's a fighter. If they get hit in the jaw, they get knocked out because boom, they twist and they're just down. But if you've got a strong jaw, look at a picture of Mike Tyson. If you got a strong jaw and a strong neck, you can withstand those hits. And in the same sort of way, you could get into a scenario where that's demanded of you like any sort of accident. The strength of your neck could literally save your life. Plus, from an aesthetic perspective, having a thicker neck is just, it's, it's nicer. It looks better. It makes you look tough and gritty. Your grip, grip is an interesting one. That's what I was just training with the farmer walks. But the reason grip is so important is because there's a direct correlation between grip strength and your longevity. Strange, but you can find it. The study that talks about it, the correlation between your grip strength and the time you were able to live. What a wild concept that the stronger your grip could be, the longer you could live. Your calves... Here's why your calves are important. They shuttle blood back up your legs. Your gastrocnemius pushes the blood up your legs. Those muscles are required to have a sufficient reintroduction of the cycling of the blood. You know, it can go down, but it needs to be brought back up. And to do that, you need to have strong calves. 
also from an aesthetic perspective a lot of people leave that behind but what's interesting with calves is the running mechanism what creates a fast runner is actually the pendulum from your knee to your ankle and so the faster that pendulum moves the faster you are as a runner it doesn't relate at all to calves i don't believe i just read it somewhere and i thought it was interesting so the other thing for health that i felt i should expand on is stress why is stress so important to deal with and in regards to mental health why did i even bring it up well stress is silent it's a silent killer it is the beginning of disease disease you're not at ease when you're stressed it's a catabolic hormone that gets produced called cortisol when you're stressed and it eats away at you and it has these effects on your mentality as well your outlook on so many different things if you look at centurions i believe that's the term the people who live past 100 the number one thing that they have in common is that they took it easy they weren't really stressed out they understood that these things happen and the adage i don't know if adage is the right word the saying this too shall pass was true for them it was so true for them there was no no worries don't worry about a thing became their anthem and therein of course likely with genetics helped them to live longer because the stress wasn't eating away at them i don't think we even fully understand stress and maybe if we do i don't think it's taught to us as much as it should that this is something you have to actively deal with you you conjure it up within you ironically you know you create it and if you don't do something about it if you don't actively take a supplement or have this routine or relax consciously sleep well it just it stays there and it's troublesome so i wanted to stress again that stress again <laughs> i wanted to stress again how important it is to deal with that because by doing so you'll improve the quality of your life one way how is that cortisol the stress hormone one of them is inversely correlated to the amount of testosterone you have in your body so the more cortisol the less stress sorry the less test the more testosterone the less cortisol now in amy cuddy's book presence the one that i mentioned briefly where i got the goal for power posing from and some things on communication she talks about how the alphas of a group the alpha of the pack the animal in charge has the highest level of testosterone and the lowest level of cortisol interestingly though being the alpha being number 1 comes with a lot of stress and she mentioned how the second in command oftentimes has similar amount of cortisol and similar testosterone but less stress and so there was just a 
brief discussion in that book about how being number two isn't necessarily always that bad if you're in charge. Being the alpha, being number one, being the leader is tough, and it comes with with its own challenges. It's required that you be dominant of yourself to be in charge. Again, the discipline equals freedom. But it's required that you have these hormonal attributes to you. But it's interesting that by having that and being in the leadership position, you oftentimes have more stress than you otherwise would if you weren't leading the group. I don't know if it's a paradox, but I consider that interesting. Now, I mentioned the supplements I take. I want to be really clear on the things that I take. Uh, and I'll talk about them again for training, which ones are necessary. But I take magnesium, I take zinc, I take boron. I take a desiccated liver, desiccated beef liver pill, sometimes a B complex. I take tons of mushroom powders, tinctures, go-to cola, lysine, and I'm probably going to get some leucine, isoleucine, valine, glutamate, uh, complex or glutamine. I think glutamate is that uh, antagonist to GABA. Gosh, that's a that's a scary one that I need to learn more about. <laughs> Anyways, I take lysine right now. I'm probably going to take a BCAA complex. There's nine essential amino acids and three of them are seen as crucial if you want to improve your musculature. And so I think I'm going to take those for when I train fasted. Creatine. Creatine's an interesting one. Maca, spirulina, and bone broth. Those three are more foods, but they're kind of like supplements. And I like those a whole bunch. There's a lot of benefits there. Maybe I'll expand on them deeper in different episodes. But in the training episode, I'll talk about specifically why I take some of those and how they serve me. Now, wealth. Savers equals losers. Can I say it again? Savers equals losers. Why? Because of inflation. Also, like I said with the analogy, if you're saving to try and get rich, anytime you buy something, you're subtracting from your machine that's supposed to make you get rich. You're digging dirt off of a pile to throw it on top of the pile. You've got to invest. You've got to have some sort of mechanism that's bringing you money without you having to work for it. It's, it's continuously adding. It's, it's just profound. You really cannot get rich by saving. And I won't say it's a lie, But that idea came to be because of a book called The Millionaire Next Door. It's an old book. Thing is, it's just outdated. And it's really difficult. And at this time, a million dollars is not as life-changing as it once was. A 401k will not last you through retirement. And that's a very interesting one. Retirement. Why do I feel that the dollar is going to disappear, to die, to collapse? Well, the baby boom bust. 
There are baby boomers, the largest demographic in the world, who at one point are going to retire, who are going to sell off their 401k, who are going to continue to claim their social security. And guess what age it has to be, what age you have to be to qualify to sell your 401k assets without the penalty. 61 and a half. Those baby boomers are just now hitting 61 and a half. And so there's all this money that's going to be called upon to be received. And the system will not be able to handle it. Simple as that. The system will not be able to handle it. The day is coming when all those baby boomers are going to hit that button and say, I want my money. And it's going to pull it out of the system. And it's going to be sucked dry. Now, a trick. If you want to own something, invest. Invest and buy an asset that will get it for you. Hmm. I mentioned diversification, but there's a caveat. Warren Buffett doesn't diversify. He makes big bets. He makes two or three big bets and goes all in on things he really studies and knows are going to pay off. That's how he made his wealth. Not by diversifying. But if you want to play it safe, diversify. The 10% thing, the 10% of your income that you invest is you paying yourself first. Before you do anything else, you invest that 10%. You pay yourself and your future self first. Last thing is communication. Clarity. Clarity, clarity, clarity. When an animal tells you to back off or when it does its mating call, it's clear and it's loud. When you're clear, it creates believability and confidence. If you can speak a message unwavering and through to your audience, they will believe you. They will believe that you know what you're talking about. Go try, as a male, go try and talk to a girl without speaking clearly, without speaking loudly, without speaking with an air of, I know myself, I'm comfortable. I'll give you a hint. It's probably not going to work out. Here's the last thing. Timidity creates barriers. Boldness obliterates them.